Welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 68.6. And we are continuing our playthrough of Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. Fresh from California. Yeah. It's quite the state, quite the large state when you're driving through most of it, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, I finally beat those, the, the bosses. That were really annoying. Um, the five little vegetable heads. The five little vegetable heads. That was where I left off last, right? Yep. Okay. Um, wow, talk about annoying fight. <laughs> um, they would run around and then debuff or, or status effect my entire party. And yeah, it was bad. I went around, did a little bit of grinding, beat those guys. Were you able to steal anything from them? No, I did I, not. I just focused on killing them. I have given up on stealing stuff from people. Ah. My grinding has turned into I get a lot of stuff that drops. and Plenty I mean, of stuff? Yeah. At any given moment, I have close to 100,000 gil on me. So I can easily just buy whatever I want. And since I'm only uh, specking for three people now, it's a lot easier. Yeah, I I have so a you're have official a, just three. Yeah, I have I'm official. the The rest of my team might as well not exist <laughs> because if I bring them into a fight, they're just going to instantly die. In fact, yeah. I haven't even given them licenses yet. I have a character who has over seven hundred license points. Wow! And I just like I don't care. I'm never going to use this so person. You- so you wouldn't do that just on the off chance that your party is killed by a boss and you need to sub in a character? I mean, I probably could. But their their weapons and their armor is so bad, too. Yeah. That they're kind of useless. The only person who could possibly put up somewhat of a fight would be Fron, Because I made her a tank originally. Uh, but she's... Easily ten levels below my main three. Yeah, my my Franz actually my lowest, and she's fifteen levels below Vaughn. Yeah. So my main characters are Vaughn, Bosch, and Pinello, which is I I I, I want to say two tanks and a healer, but Vaughn's not much of a healer as he is a guy who dodges stuff. So <laughs> so Vaughn is all about dodging stuff like uh, they'll constantly miss him Bosch he can just takes punishment so he's the tank uh I would say Vaughn's not actually the DPS of the group because Bosch does some crazy damage with his hammers uh Vaughn's just there to run a distraction I guess mm. yeah my Vaughn is still doing my most damage by far he's using swords yeah okay so, and I've got Bosch as my other. I've got two main damage dealers. So for a long time there, I was running the main Gosh. I, th- I don't. I, that's the name of the knife. 
I think that's how you pronounce it. It's French or something like that. I looked it up. And that, I didn't know this until I switched over to a new weapon. Uh, the main gosh, or however you pronounce it, gauche, um, it ups his speed significantly. And speed doesn't necessarily mean your, your bar fills up faster for doing an attack. It means that he has the ability to dodge better and significantly mm. raises it. So I've been using that for a long time. I was like, nobody can ever hit Vaughn. I'm like, this is great. And then I switched over to a new dagger and he has a lot more damage output, but his speed is lowered and now he gets hit a lot. It's punished. Yeah. So now I have to probably up his hit points. Uh, currently Vaughn has the most hit points, but Bosch is right behind him and Pinello, man, she's running like 1700 hit points. So yeah. if she gets hit probably about three times, she's kind of dead. But I have Pinello set up with a gambit where if anybody gets below 60% health, she automatically uses Cura, which is yeah. it heals everybody. Nice. So that's keeping me alive for the most part. So what level is is your highest at the moment? Is that still Vaughn? It's, it's Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn, Bosch, and Pinello are almost identical. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I guess I could turn on my, if I can find my PlayStation controller. Uh, cause I've got Vaughn six levels above the next highest. <laughs> cause I've, as I've been rotating people in, he's the only one I haven't rotated. Oh, wow. So I've got, I've got Vaughn at 46. Holy the next God. highest is Ash at 40 because she, with her, um, protections as well as her negations of status effects, she, I basically need her all the time, so I need her to be strong. Uh, and I finally, only recently in the last few hours, started giving her all the licenses where she gets more attack damage and also gave her a weapon because she was doing essentially zero damage. And I'm like, well, she's going to be in my party most of the time. She needs to do better on those occasions when she's not healing. Yeah, I've upped Pinello's attack a little bit. She can actually do a little bit of damage, but she may get in one or two jabs before she starts healing people. So... It's, it's, I kind of just left it at that and I'm fine with that. Let's see here. I'm loading up right now. I'll let you yeah, know exactly. I basically got four people I'm keeping leveled, I would say, and then two people that are lagging behind. I really hope this game does not force me to use Bothier, <laughs> Ash, or Fron because, well, I, I have to, I will have to quit this game. <laughs> there is no amount of grinding that will fix this. Yeah, I've got Vaughn at 46 and Ash at 40. Those are my two highest. Then Bosch at 36, Balthier at 35. Okay, so here's my party as of right now. Vaughn, 39. Bosch, 39. Pinello, 39. Uh, mm. Actually, wow. Vaughn's got almost a 1,000 more hit points than Bosch does. What, what are they at? Uh, Vaughn's at three. 3,452, Bosch is at 2,565, and Pinello's at 1,830. Oh, wow. So She's a delicate little flower. Uh, yeah, and the thing is is she's got the most quickenings, so she has level 3 quickenings. I don't have anyone with 3 yet. I've got Vaughn, Balthier, and Pinello with 2, and then Fran, Bosch, and Ash with 1. So I've got I'm looking at the, the license board here. Um, 
Balfier, Ash, and Fron, who I don't use, both have 800 uh, LP right now that I haven't spent. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought you would do that just for emergencies. Uh, you know, you might be right, and I may do that. Just it, for the heck of it, you know. If anything, I will turn them into tanks and just give them all hit points, and that way I have somebody to run a distraction while I heal my main yeah. party members. That's actually a good idea. I may actually do that. Um, but yeah, let me close out of that. So, uh, yeah, I fought the little, little onion idiots who run around. I beat them, finally. And, um, we continue on through the, uh, I guess it was, it was like a underground area. Uh, and we make it to another boss fight. <laughs> to which I then got stuck at this one for a day. <laughs> uh, this one was a ghost one. And in most Final Fantasy games, there's always a ghost enemy, right? Yep. Was this Mateus, the other, uh, uh, the one with the ice around him? Uh, no. This no, was, that was earlier. This was the, the ghost one that would multiply itself. Oh, yeah. Um, with, so, with the really weak, like, copies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, this one I found was a ghost. So I did the thing that I do in all Final Fantasy games where I have a ghost enemy. I use a phoenix down on them. Which should instantly kill them. Not in this game. <laughs> Most Final Fan, almost every Final Fantasy game has had a ghost enemy that if you use a phoenix down on them, they automatically die. Now this one is weak to healing, so I used Pen had Pinello to do like the hardcore healing against it. In fact, I had it do regen, which is basically like poisoning it. Hmm. I didn't even know you could cast healing on enemies. Yeah, yeah, you can if you hit the L one whenever you have the game pause and you're you're choosing who you want to heal. Just hit L one and it switches to the enemy team. Ah, oh, weird. Mm-hmm. And that, that you can actually do that with like reflect and stuff like that too. So whenever you have an enemy who's trying to heal itself, it will reflect it back to your teammates. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I did all that. Uh, but I, I did finally beat that boss. I had to do a little bit more grinding, not much. Um, and, uh, finally made it out of there. And finally made it to a point where I could save my freaking game. <laughs> uh, I finally made it into old arcades. Yeah, finally made it into there. And so begins a bunch of fetch quests, series of fetch quests. Uh, kind of dumb. Yeah, kind of dumb. Uh, we The first thing we do is we can't make it into town because they have closed off the town. Uh, or of of the main arcades, not old arcade. Old arcades is where all the the basically the slums, wherever all the the poor people live. And um, so we talk to a what? What do you call him? Uh, Bothier knows him. He's like a oh yeah, his a, old friend, a street talker. I don't know. He's uh he's an information broker. And uh, he tells us that we have to go get information from different people. So we have to run around and get information and solve a few mysteries. 
Like uh, there was one where like a guy had stolen a bunch of money and put it in a barrel, and we had to go tell tell the guy where the money was. And then uh, there was one about I ran into these guys talking about like these um, performing uh, moogles, mm-hmm. and did and and I just ran around talking to people for the most part, and then it just it kind of triggered and let me go into let me go into the town. Yeah, I did as well, but I found this part to be annoying, so I didn't really try to figure it out. I just used the fact. No, I didn't use the fact. I just walked around and talked to people until they shut up. No, I don't, I don't have time to just talk to a billion random strangers well, at this part or, or the next part where you really have to talk to a lot of strangers. Yeah, so that was the <laughs> next thing I was going to go up with was that we can't ride the taxi without getting – these marks and people reward people marks by being nice to them. So yeah. We had to run around and chops, right? Chops. chops. Yeah. You don't have the chops kid. <laughs> so, uh, I got your chops right here. <laughs> I'm channeling Edward Carnby, but, uh, yeah, we had to run around and listen to somebody's story and, and put that to memory and then go find another person who, needs that type of advice and give it to them. Yeah, it is. They they liken it to a memory game, and it is that. Like, you basically, who's the match for this little mini story? Yeah. And it's really annoying. I didn't hate it, but, you know, this is the kind of thing I would rather do early in a game. You know, as they're sending me around and I'm learning things. Here, I feel like we're at the point where we're just about at the end game. At this point in a game, it feels like a wild distraction and pointlessness. So, had, had this been earlier in the game, and something else would have come out of this, like a, a I don't know, a, I don't know what would have, but you know, anything that's a bit more influential that we'll use for more of the game, and this is a way to learn about the city. I don't know. I, I feel like there's other ways this could have been done where it would have been handled less better. of a clear offshoot. Yeah, and it would have been handled better. So this stuff right here is annoying. Coming up in the next section, which is basically a dungeon, I thought was clever and really unique, and I really enjoyed it. And we'll get to it a little bit later. But, um, yeah, continuing on after we talk to a bunch of people and get our, get the chops, we're able to go to the main city, or go deeper into the main city, the central part of the city where the laboratories are. And um, we have to have money, too. If we don't have enough money, they can't take us up to the laboratories, which kind of annoyed me, but at the same time, I was like, I've got the money, but I just that's 2,500 gil right there. <laughs> so so but, this is before you were rolling around in 100 grand? Uh, kind of, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was still rolling, but I wasn't high rolling. <laughs> if that means anything. So yeah, um they drop us off at the uh the laboratory and when we get there some things are going down. Uh which I I do like that they've at least been hinting at a little bit of this. Um, you know, they they've mentioned Dracula Labs a few times throughout the game, so yeah. we're we're finally here. So when we get there, um we find a bunch of dead guards and we're like, uh oh, there's an intruder besides me. I'm getting flashbacks to Metal Gear. 
And there um, were dead guards outside of the caves earlier. Yeah. So, so maybe an intruder, maybe, I don't know, an infection or a nethocyte poisoning or something. Maybe Sid did it. He went nuts on nethocyte and just started killing people. So we, yeah, we, so we go, we continue onward. Um, we're running into guards and stuff like that. Uh, not having any problems here, really. No, this was good. Uh, they do come at you kind of quickly, so I could see potentially getting overwhelmed, but I was kind of going through this fairly slowly. So every, and, and again, this is after I had decided to set even my main character, Vaughn. On auto attack, so it was pretty nice that I didn't even necessarily because in this section a lot of times the guards come from behind you, so it was it, it might have been a little bit more difficult had I not had Vaughn auto attacking as well as the rest of the crew. Right. So uh, yeah, running through this lab, there's a few puzzles we have to solve as far as opening red doors and green or blue doors, kind of like how we did in the Hene Mines, I think. Mm-hmm. But and, actually, this time I actually had to do it and backtrack and crisscross a little bit. So I, I like this one a little bit more. There was a bit more figuring it out. Yeah. As opposed to the Henny Mines. I don't, I never even really thought about the doors in the Henny Mines. I just kept going until I got to a switch and pushed it. And then kept going until I got to a switch and pushed it. And yeah. I made it out. Yeah, this one you did have to zig and zag a little bit. But uh, it wasn't that long. It's only like three yeah. floors, and one floor is just nothing. So, um,. Yeah, given the build-up, I did think it would be a bit more involved. Yeah. I did run into a room that was full of rats that attacked me. And I'm talking like 15 rats. And they all ganged up on me. I didn't die, but I was just like, oh, God. And (laughs) so I just started wailing on them. I think I ran into a room that had jellies. Oh, really? Like eight or ten jellies, too, and they destroyed five of my characters. (laughs) Wow. I was just about dead and I ran out and, you know, healed everybody and raised everybody. So they didn't finish me off, but I did give up on that fight. Yeah, I beat all the rats. Um, but yeah, uh, after we go up the elevator, we finally run into, well, we don't run into Sid just yet. We run into another guy who happens to be our intruder that's been running around. Do you know this guy's name? Um, he he reminds me of the monk from Diablo Three. He has a shaved, completely shaved head, but he has a beard, and it looks strange. Yeah, I'm not sure what his name is. He's another sky pirate, I think. I could be wrong. But he's there to take on Sid. So I figured he would join our party as a guest, but that never happened. Yeah. Um, so we continue onward and run into Sid, Bothier's father. And I was expecting a little bit more than what we got. Mm-hmm. Sid didn't say much. He was just... Uh, you know, he kind of mocked Balthier. Balthier mocked him back. And then he had a fight. We had a fight. There was no big revelation or anything like that. I was like, really? Yep. Given the build up, there wasn't a lot here. Yeah. Uh, and then we went into the boss fight. 
which the boss fight had Sid using dual guns shooting at us from a distance. Uh, we couldn't attack him because he has these surrounding satellites orbiting him, basically. And we have to kill the satellites first. Which I didn't think was that hard. I just kind of, you know, swarmed them one at a time. Yeah, that's all I did. Like, all my characters surround an enemy and just wail on him, and then Pinello steps back and heals people. That's that's it. Yeah. So, I that's and that worked. So, I didn't I didn't actually lose at this boss fight. Yeah, I didn't either, which was refreshing. <laughs> so uh, we beat Sid, but we don't kill him. And this is the first boss fight I think we've had where we didn't have to get his health all the way down because he actually escapes. Um. He uses the power of Nethesite. Uh, he has one of those shadows with him. Uh, basically like a summon, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's giving him power. Uh, and he is able to escape. But before escaping, he tells us exactly what he wants or what he's doing. He says that he is going somewhere. And if we're really wanting to... Well, he's saying this to Ash, basically. Ash... He's like, you really want this power, don't you? He's like, well, I know how to harness it, and I've done it, and I know you desire it, and if you really want it, you need to come to where I'm going. <laughs> and then he escapes on his little weird helicopter thing. And so we go to where he goes, and Matt, how do you pronounce it? Uh, It's the G word. The jungle? No, no. The the place where we're we're ending this episode. Oh, Garavagan. Garavagan. There you go. I don't. I, every time they use a proper noun in this game, I don't know how to pronounce it, and I don't attempt to pronounce it. Yeah, I'm just like, we're going to the G place. We're going <laughs> yeah, to the, the G mountain. Place. We're going to the mountain. We're going to the jungle. The jungle. The beach. The, the beach. We're at the beach now. You know, because I'm just like I don't know how to pronounce it. They're making up words. Yeah. Uh, but we're going there. Uh, luckily, Mr. Bald Sky Pirate knows exactly where that is. And he tells us we need to start by going through the Goldmore jungle. Basically where the Urit, Urit village is. Urit village? How do you pronounce that? That one I have no idea. There's a lot of them I try. That one I just don't, don't even usually try to pronounce. Urit. It starts with an E, but I think it's this is kind of... It's not Erit. It's Erit or something like that. It, the bunny jungle place. <laughs> Hearing that out of context would be quite ridiculous. This is true. The the, the rabbit people. Um, so where we end this is completely across the continent from where we need to be. And I sure as hell is not walking there, so I use a teleport stone. <laughs> yep, I did too, but mainly because this is where I had decided I needed to go get haste. Yes. So I, I, I don't think you actually in this part had to go to that bunny village, but I did because I needed haste. That was the closest to my destination, so I went there anyway, but I already got haste. I got it for the, the onion fight. Oh, nice. So, and luckily for me, 
uh, Vaughn is also a time battle mage. So he, uh, he takes a really long time to case, to case it, to cast Ca- that, to case the haste, to case the haste. Um, but it actually helps. Yeah. It's a big one. I, I, I think you're, they're right. You kind of, once you have those four auto equipped, it does make a huge difference for any of these battles. Yeah. So I, uh, I've got the haste. I go through the, the, the gold more jungle. And I destroy every single thing in my path because I am so powerful now. Yeah, funny how quickly they die. One hit everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then we make it to the Feywood. Now, the Feywood is kind of interesting. Uh, it is where the mist is very dense. And we can't use our map. Um, because... I don't know. Chafe <laughs> grenades. Another Metal Gear reference. Is it chafe grenades or chaff grenades? I think it's chaff. I always thought it was chaff. Yeah, it's probably chaff and then, but the chafe is spelled the same way. I think. Chafe in my hide over here, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, uh, the Feywood. I norm- I normally don't say I like dungeons, but I actually like this dungeon. And I, I liked it because I was wrecking here, so th- I spent a lot of time, not a lot of time leveling. I just felt like I was mowing through people, so I was leveling qu- quickly. Yeah, I wasn't mowing through guys. I would run into enemies. You know, like you got the weird insect-looking guys. You got the um, uh, the the snakes that pop up. Um, I would probably spend. 10 seconds wailing on them and they die and Pinello's keeping everybody healed so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but going through here, uh, you can get a little turned around because it, it is kind of misty. Like you can't see directly. Not not everything is loaded in because there's mist there. Yeah. So what did you do about the lack of map? Because you can bring up the other map. I brought up the other map and just yeah. filled it out and went, went with it. <laughs> yeah, me too. So it, it's weird that they would take away a map from you, but still leave you with your alternate version of a map. I'm curious if that other map, the one that you hit in L3 that pops up, I'm curious if that was in the original version. Oh, or yeah, because this would have been, if not more difficult, it certainly would have been different not to be able to navigate your way through these dungeons as easily as the rest of them. Because I feel like that sounds like some kind of Zodiac Age upgrade. Yeah, certainly could be. Yeah. So we make it through part of the Feywood, and we run into a boss fight. Now, this boss fight gave me some trouble. I didn't lose to it, but when I finished it, Thrawn was the only one left alive. Uh, your, Your weakest party member? No, no, no. My my party member I don't use that is the strongest. My weakest party member is Balthier. Oh, okay. Um, so this boss, when you first enter the arena, you start noticing something. Your magic points, your MP is slowly draining, which makes Pinello, my white mage, pretty much useless after about 30 seconds of this fight. Mm-hmm. So... I decided to 
go at it. I went full force on this guy. Um, he was doing ground, ground and pound. Yeah, uh, he he would spawn some out like um, minions. Uh, I'd kill those as fast as I could, and then just keep wailing on this guy. Um, and uh, use my miss charges. Like did the quickenings and stuff like that. Got probably like a ten combo on it, and got it down to, I don't know, a sliver of health, and then it wiped my entire party. I was like, great, I'm gonna have to do this all over again. So I switched out party members, brought in Ash, Balthier, and Fron, and Balthier died instantly. Uh, Ash <laughs> followed suit, and then Fron, still alive, was able to get that last hit in and killed it. Oh wow! And so I get this big, you know, da, 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 and it's just Fron standing there by herself, <laughs> <laughs> alone. Congratulations, Fron. Uh, yeah, yeah, we beat it. I go back to the crystal that's right outside that area and heal back up. And uh, yeah, continue onward. Uh, so we're about the boss fight's about halfway through the Feywood. Um. This, this next part is the part that I said was really cool and interesting and something that I like to see in this stuff. There's a puzzle to this area. Yep. You have to go to these little like shrine-looking areas and look at a glyph on the floor. And it says to to look for... Uh, I think it says what look for comfort to guide your way or something like that. And so while you're in the Feywood... It's really misty. Everything's kind of white. And almost looks like snow. Yeah, it looks like snow almost. And it's actually, it, I think there is snow here too, right? I think there is. Now that you mention it, but it's hard to see. And if you rotate the camera, a certain part of the shrine, there's like open areas. There's a certain way that looks like a, a dense forest. So you can, if you go that way, it leads you to another shrine. So you don't get lost. You can't run straight through this area. You have to go these different routes. And they lead your way by showing you these mirages. Almost Indiana Jones-esque. Yeah, it's really cool. And I actually, I was like, this is this is intelligent. This is smart. I like this. Yeah, this was cool. But this is where I had run through one location to the next in a bit of a loop. I had gone through maybe six of these locations before oh. I realized I wasn't continually progressing southwest. This was the one you were talking about. Yeah, this is the one I was talking about. So you grind here a lot. You got some good levels, huh? Yeah, I got some good levels here, but also it was unintentional because I thought I was just continually progressing until I'm like, man, this place looks exactly like the last five places. <laughs> because if you go out the southwest corner, you just start right back up in the northeast corner. It's like the Lost Woods of uh, Zelda. Yeah. So, um, yeah, making it through here... Um, there's one final riddle at this big gate and it tells us we have to summon uh, a creature to open the gate. Uh, Belias, I think is the first summon we got. Yeah. Belias, the Gygus. Yeah. So we have to summon him and have him touch the gate, which is how in the last episode we mentioned the only way I knew that you could even control uh, your espers is because of this part. Ah, Gotcha. Because you, you actually have to take charge of him and, and cast a spell on the door, right? Uh, yeah, or just have him touch it. 
Oh, okay. And then he, you know, in a cut scene, he, he opens the door. So we go through the door and now we're in this big temple looking area. Um, and we have made it where this is where, this is our destination. Get a cut scene, uh, with everybody and they're like, okay, um, well, we're here. Fran says that the mist is really, really dense here. She says, but it's cold, so I will be on my best behavior. I won't go nuts this time. And uh, Balthier mentions that we'll just wait right here. Since Sid's not here yet, we'll wait here for him and kind of like do an ambush on him. But Ash is staring off into space, and she's seeing something. She sees her dead husband. And she wants to continue forward. Vaughn mentions that she sees him. We should follow her. So we continue onward through. And uh, we luckily we get a save crystal. And uh, we reach an area where a what looks like a statue is guarding a place. It's a dude with a really big what looks like a buster sword from Final Fantasy VII. And uh, so it begins a boss fight with what I guess would be a guardian of the place. Uh, yeah, this guy is no joke. Mm, this is right where I am. So I'm, I'm at this guy, but I have not beaten him yet. This is right where I'm at because I, I got beat by him and said, okay, I made it pretty far. I'm just going to stop here. Uh, what, what was this guy's name again? Uh, Daedalus or Daedalus? Daedalus, yeah. From Greek mythology, he is Icarus's father. Um, but yeah, in Final Fantasy, he is a giant, what looks like headless guy with a big sword. Mm-hmm. And that's where I stopped. So we're, we talked a lot. Honestly, not much went on. Like, I, I was hoping to talk a little bit more about Sid, but. Yeah, me too. I mean, am I missing anything about Sid? I don't know. I, I, honestly, he no. didn't say much. Yeah, I don't think so. And, you know, again, the fact that the Dracolore Labs have been mentioned as one of the key pieces of of the Arcadian Empire and their evil rule, I thought this would be a more important, uh, more important to the story, I guess, fight. Well, I think Balthier did mention that uh, the laboratories used to be run by the government and the Senate, but Sid went off and did his own thing and they pretty much just leave him alone now and he does whatever he pleases. Uh, and that's the only thing I can think of that was really mentioned. Um, I know the pirate guy that we teamed up with for a little while, he had some words with Sid, but it was just like, you know, you know what Nethesite does. Or, or you know what defecated nephesite does, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're doing this anyway. And he's like, "Ah, I'm really powerful." Ha ha ha. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff I gloss over a lot in these games too. When it's all just like grandstanding, and I, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it really. It's the kind of discussions where you know they're they're talking about power and. You want power, and I need power, like that kind of stuff. I, I just kind of glaze over when I hear that because it's—I it, get it. You're the bad guy. 
that's all I really need to know about this conversation. I, I'm far more interested when it's going to be relevant to plans or, you know, motivations. Right. But when it's just all, all these talk about needing power and having power and, I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of tune it out a little bit. I kind of do too. So I'm going to move off to the emails. This is going to be kind of a shorter episode, but that's okay. The emails. So two emails I couldn't finish because we hadn't made it that far yet. Now I can finish them. So I'm going to go back to Jamie's email first. It said, uh, I'm going to go to the part where considering how far we had to traverse and how many little mini gains we had to do to get there, Draclor was surprisingly brief. And then it says, Darby spoilers if you haven't finished Draculor. When we first got to the Draculor, they started with the floors. I expected it to turn to Final Fantasy VII deal where we had a ton of floors to get through with um, lots of little mini quests. But then they said Sid was on 70 and we were on 67. That's pretty easy. And it was easy. That said, I did have a problem with the guards and judges. I don't understand this game. I have more trouble and die way more dealing with regular enemies than with the actual bosses. Sid was a breeze. I don't even think I had to res anyone. Also, knowing that Sid was Balthier's father, I fully expected a long-moving cutscene, but there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if that's coming later. Okay, that's about it for spoilers. The strange thing is, despite the fact that I hardly know what's going on, or at least what our goal is most of the time, I'm still having fun. It's not my favorite game, but engaging enough that I want to see what happens, and I'm willing to traverse across all these maps to do so. I really love the transport stones, by the way, and I love that I can revisit places really easily. You can pick up those on the flights, in case you didn't know. I finally transported to the Geyser Plains and picked up my reward for the stupid turtle. (laughs) Not sure that 3,000 gil was worth my time, but I need to finish that OCD and all. Uh, looking forward to hearing you guys tell me what the hell has been going on in the story, Jamie. Well, we can't because we don't know what's going on either. Not much has gone on. Exactly. All right, so I'm going to go back to Chad's email. Phone Coast, Dracula Laboratory. Okay. Um once reaching the highest level of Draclor Laboratory, the party is briefly attacked by a mysterious figure. Once he realizes the party was does not work for Dr. Sid, he runs off toward Dr. Sid's voice. A mysterious figure asks Dr. Sid how can uh how can he persist with his experiments knowing how much damage they have already caused. Dr. Sid sees Balthier and calls his own son Pirate Scum. Did, uh, Dr. Sid then seems to start talking to himself before looking at Ash and identifying her as the Princess of Dalmasca. Dr. Sid then insists on testing the princess and her powers. The mysterious figure tells her not to listen to him because Dr. Sid only intends to use her. Uh, Franz senses Dr. Sid is using the same type of manufactured nethocyte that Judge Bergen used after defeating Dr. Sid, the mysterious figure attempts to kill him, but is stopped by some sort of force field. Dr. Sid thanks someone called Vinat, this is important later, and the same strange ghostly figure that was with Judge Bergen appears, revealing that Dr. Sid wasn't talking to himself after all. Dr. Sid teases Ash, saying he knows full well that she lusts for power and that she should uh, go to Giruvagen. Uh, he actually put the pronunciation in there. 
uh, Giru Vagan. Uh, he says he will meet them there and flies away on some strange machine. The mysterious figure then introduces himself as the sky pirate Redus, inviting them to his home in Balforheim Port. At Balforheim Port, Redis explains that his town, Balforheim, has been supplying the resistance uh, led by Marquis Andor. Um, he uh, further states that neither he nor the Marquis want war, but if necessary, they must follow through to stop the Empire. This leads to a flashback meeting between Redis and Marquis. The Marquis explains he uh, is hoping to amass a resistance large enough that Vane would seek a treaty versus pursuing all-out war. Redis uh, would seek. Uh, Redis counters with uh, that w- with Vane in possession of the Nethesite. It is still unlikely he would pursue a treaty. The Marquis states that uh, this is why he is supporting Redis's infiltration of the Empire to get the Dusk Shard. Redis states that he has uh, the Mid Light Shard in his possession. Damn, we totally forgot to mention that. <laughs> uh, and will not give it over to Ondor freely to which the Marquis says he will then ally with the Rosarian Empire if necessary. Back to present day, Balthier suggests uh, they should go after Dr. Sid at uh, Gervagan and destroy the Dust Shard in his possession. Fran and Radas both suggest uh, the way to Gervagan is through a mist door in the Goldmore jungle. Uh, Radas says that he has another lead he wants to check into while they are away at Gervagan. Uh, before Ash leaves, Redis questions Ash as to whether she is sure she seeks the power of the Nessusite, mirroring Balthier's previous uh, admonitions. So many big words. I can't, <laughs> I can't read these big words. She responds that she seeks whatever power necessary uh, to save Dalmasca. Redis tells her to remember the destruction that the Midlight Shard caused in Nabrida, Nabradia. Nabradia. Yeah. Uh, that is his only remaining counsel to provide. That's it for now. My fall gaming lineup just got super busy, so I can't even imagine what yours is like for you right now. Hang in there. Happy gaming, everyone. Chad. Thank oh, you thanks for, that for that email. And our last email comes in. Uh, from Bronson, and he is giving bad game suggestions again. Nice. So, sup guys, got another bad game recommendation, but I gotta say, it's not easy picking bad games, as shown by my nomination of The Order and a few other nominations by listeners on the last episode. One person's bad game is often a game others enjoyed. I think there are bad games that everyone can agree on, but I doubt you guys would play Last Action Hero or Terminator on the NES or Superman 64. Unless you guys are masochists. <laughs> we have discussed Superman 64. We have discussed Superman 64. The problem is I have no way of playing Superman 64. <laughs> uh, as for my recommendation, Silent Hill Homecoming is a game that got a lot of hate, especially by Silent Hill fans, but I actually enjoyed it. It has some creepy moments and a surprisingly competent melee combat system. I believe hardcore Silent Hill fans despise the game because it disregards the series' lore, which is true. Pyramid Head and Nurses shouldn't be in Homecoming, but they are. Uh, I don't know. It could make a good, bad Halloween game for next year. Also, did you guys get a chance to watch the Cyberpunk 2077 gameplay demo? And if so, what are your thoughts? 
I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I just hope that uh, when it launches, it isn't downgraded a la Watch Dogs. Peace out. I did watch the the Cyberpunk 2077 gameplay demo. Did you, Matt? Uh, just a clip of it. Okay. Um, this is going to be a very different game from The Witcher, I feel like. And I'm pretty sure that's what CD Projekt Red is going for. I'm okay with it being first person and being a first person shooter. I hold my reserves for this game and I don't know why. Meaning you're not as excited as you thought you'd be? I'm not as excited as I thought I would be. I'm yeah. excited, but what is my problem? with? I, I am not the biggest fan of cyberpunk. Uh, in general? In general, genre. I mean, it's it, like, I didn't mind Deus Ex, you know. Uh, I really enjoyed Human Revolution, but it was it was okay. Um, I don't know. Like I, I am, I always will be a fantasy man. I enjoy, you know, knights in shining armor and wizards shooting fireballs. Um, you know, Mass Effect's a very, very good, competent game, but I always like Dragon Age more than Mass Effect. So I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things of. I know it's going to be good. Because it's CD Projekt Red, and those guys make quality games. Yeah, I mean that's all I really need. I mean, if you if you tell me it's CD Projekt Red, and it's somewhere between The Witcher and Deus Ex, there's no way I'm not going to be excited. And then I think it does look pretty good from the gameplay demo. Uh, from what I saw of it, it it was maybe a little slower than I expected, but. I, I don't have a problem with that. This looks like a world I want to get in and really try and inhabit and maybe role play myself into it more than I do in, in many other games. Sure. And if it gives me that opportunity to live somewhere in the world that I've, you know, envisioned since really since that first time I popped in, like Deus Ex two was one of the first games I got with my computer that really like visually popped and was impressive. Um you know, and then that, that immersion with bouncing basketballs and stuff. I really loved the idea of being in that game and um, playing it wasn't didn't quite live up to what I had imagined. Uh, this game certainly looks much closer to what I had originally imagined uh, a Deus Ex game or universe might be like. So, I think here's here's my problem, and maybe this is just me, me being cynical. With the cyberpunk genre or the cyberpunk setting, I don't like the fact that everybody is a bad guy. I wouldn't say everybody's a bad guy, but in most cyberpunk settings, everybody's a douchebag. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would have phrased it differently and said everybody seems a, you know it's a bit of a dystopian future. Yeah. So everybody's struggling. Everybody's kind of out for themselves a little bit more, maybe. Um, but, you know, if that's the kind of thing that's woven into the story and into the universe, then that's fine. If it's just sugarcoating, you know, if all the characters are that way for no apparent reason, right. certainly it can 
it can lose some of that charm, yeah. lose some of the you know the atmosphere that the universe has. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like I've always found like you know, uh, what's his name, uh, Adam Jensen. Like, I never thought he was a straight up good guy. And I mean, a lot of people say that's great. You have people that have gray areas and stuff like that. But I was just like, Adam Jensen's a, a, an asshole, just like everybody else in this game. And I feel like you don't really cheer for somebody like that. I, I maybe it's because I typically play good guys in most of my role playing games. Like, you know, in Geralt, I mean, Geralt is a guy who has no emotions, mm-hmm. but he still tries to do the right thing in most circumstances. So do you just need a better justification, do you think? Like, ah, uh, they killed my kid, so I'm going to go on a rampage and kill everybody. I mean, it's not it's, it's not just vengeance. that. Like, just the way people act in cyberpunk stuff, it, it gets on my nerves. Like, you don't have, like, the, the, the quote-unquote good guy, the, you know, the lawful good person. You know, if you're a lawful good in a cyberpunk game, you're, like, the bad guy cops who we're trying to fight against. You know what I mean? Because in because mm-hmm. in, in and futures, it's you know the government's bad, you know, so it's it's one of those things of like are you a freedom fighter? But then freedom fighters do a lot of bad stuff to, you know, to justify their reasons and stuff like that. I don't know. It's it is what it is. I you know, I get like you know, Dragon Age. You're a gray warden. You're trying to stop this blight. You're trying to save the freaking world. In cyberpunk, you're just kind of out for yourself. But but that's the universe. That's not necessarily the story. That's true. I mean, it, it, I, I just and it could be. I could be completely wrong on this. You know, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. You may very well be able to play a good guy who does the right thing and everything. But I, I just feel like everybody's a punk. That's why it's called cyberpunk. Everybody in cyberpunk universes are usually punks that I don't really agree with or care about. Hmm. Maybe it's just. Yeah, I'll be I'm curious just, as, as we learn more and as as you get to play it, what, what your, how your thoughts evolve on that. Because it sounds to me like it, it's you're kind of conflating the universe and the story, and hopefully, the, you know, there, there's no need for the story to be about bad guys. There's no need for the characters in the universe to be all assholes. That's true. If, if that's the way they've been portrayed, then this game may have the opportunity to fix that for you. Be, yeah. be curious if it does. Well, I mean, I'm definitely going to play it, you know. So it's it's, it's that's going to happen. But you know, as far as as far as you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe the first person stuff did kind of get onto my nerves. I was just like, you know, every freaking game that under the sun's first person shooter now. Yeah, see, I, I guess I haven't played many first-person shooters in a while. So to me, the fact that it's first-person actually just kind of brings it more in line with Deus Ex, and I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like, how would you do it? You know, I mean, obviously, it's in the future. There's going to be guns. It's not like The Witcher where they didn't have, you know, maybe a bow and arrow or something. And so it's it's like a yeah. different it's a different setting completely, and you know, you, you couldn't really do it any other way. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I I think I will enjoy it because of CD Projekt Red. But you know, uh, that setting is not the my favorite setting. I'll just put it that way. I'm definitely more excited for it after watching the the gameplay demo. 
Yeah. Because there's a good variety of things you do. Um, there's a lot more conversations. So that's why I guess I said it was a little bit slower than I expected. Uh, it didn't look like there was all that much shooting for being a first-person shooter. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It, it seems like there was some interesting design, the city design, the character design. Uh, other than, yeah, it's a little bit typical cyberpunky. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, I, I enjoyed it. So um, as, as long as the story holds up, as long as I can make myself better, I don't know, cyber hacked, bio hacked, whatever. Yeah. I, I think it'll be fun. Okay. Well, there you go. There's our thoughts on Cyberpunk 2077. I I doubt we'll see that game in 2019. I, like, I think that's at least a year off. Hmm. They take their time with their stuff, man. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I got a million games to play. I, I want to play this game, and the sooner the better, but I would really rather when I get to finally sit down and experience this, it's polished. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't want to build this game up so much and then just have it be janky, and I you know it just kind of sits on a shelf. Right. I want this to be a universe that I love, and other than just wanting to love it. Gotcha. Yeah, but that's it for us. If you guys would like to send an email, it's drew at ztgd.com. You can also uh, tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, take a look at uh, this upcoming week on ZTGD. We're going to have a ton of reviews. It is review season, and we are hardcore at it. Uh, Ken just put up his Spider-Man review Um it's looking really good. Uh, I will be have, hopefully having my Divinity Original Sin 2 review up next week as well. Um, that's a really long game that I'm trying to play Final Fantasy on top of that with and other review games. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's slow going, but uh, that's a quality title that I think everybody should check out if you're a role-playing game fan. It is... Easily one of the best one-to-one comparisons to Dungeons and Dragons that I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, uh, just take a look at the website. We're gonna have a ton of stuff for you guys. Uh, that's it though. Thank you everybody for listening. Keep those emails coming in. Uh, get ready because uh, we're going to try to beat this game this week. Yeah, it was a bit of a question mark at the end of that sentence, but. It's certainly the intent. Yeah. The hope. I'm going to attempt to finish Final Fantasy XII this week. It may happen. It may not. If it doesn't, well, then we're going to do a second episode. So it's it's that's, that's the way it is. Um, but, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Until next time, I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out. You guys have a great week. We'll be back next week with the continuation and possibly the finale of Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. 